I, I like the days that start out like that. <laughs> you know it's going right. to be good. Exactly. So, ladies and gentlemen, welcome to another episode of the Dissect Podcast. This is Mark. I'm in the uh, podcast, stu- the conversation studio today <laughs> with Michael. Paul Roberts is in here today, and we've actually got uh, Boone Speed came to visit. Pulled his van up and parked it. Boone Speed. And, um, can I just, can I make a, I'm just going to put this out there, the conversation laboratory. Oh man, <laughs> that's, it's, that's it's going that way. I mean, I've only been here for twenty minutes, and it's definitely. And we've concocted some things that definitely are some are volatile, and so. <laughs> yeah, I, I did just pull up, and all of a sudden we're in here. Like, is... No, all well. It, by way of having a business meeting about the new project that we're yeah. like, that you and five other options and, and five, yeah in case that one doesn't work yeah. or in case in case we have a lot of spare time yes. around that one i i um i i can't even think of when we met but early 90s here in salt lake yep. after bd had uh, black diamond had moved here we actually went climbing before i started working at black diamond You'd come through, and I thought, I, I mean, honestly, oh. Mark was, like, I was a sport climber. Mark was an alpinist. Yeah, yeah. But he'd been my hero before that. So it was really cool, you know? And then Did he we remain went, so after well, yeah, he found out thing, that you were a sport well, climber? Well, even more so because it was, it was even more so because then the human Mark and I became really good friends, right? Like, the, there's you the... just differentiated. You know, like, the, well, the, yeah. you know, the, the writings are so... Um, Intense, and they they really did form. They were formative for me. It was at a time, you know, I I grew up in yeah. this neighborhood and hmm. was part of this culture for a really long time. And it was that was a really formative time in my life to start. I was questioning a lot of things. So <laughs> and so happily, there was some guy <laughs> writing in climbing magazines about questioning shit. <laughs> no, no, it was good. It was good. And then we went climbing in Provo Canyon and. I didn't do, I'm not oh, a right. great ice climber, but we yes. went up in my Volkswagen van. I've always had a van. Damn. Usually. And um, yeah, no, it was, and then it was like, it was a really important, it was a, it was a great moment in time. And then over the years, we've collaborated on different things and nice. been friends and all this stuff. I mean, we've, we've been through a lot, actually. Yeah. Weird, like, like twists and turns in, in just in our, in our world, in our little climbing world, and thing. like the the amendment or the addendum to the it, you know, it's not the tool article that was in the first issue of Rays, you know, ended up you know Boone sent me down well Boone and Justin sent yeah. me down another road <laughs> of uh, <clears throat> with tools and cameras and and the idea of uh, larger than full size sensors. That, that's right. <laughs> so um, Mark pointed me towards one of the, I think the interview that you did when you guys uh, met up that day. And I uh, like you're best known in the climbing world for establishing some sport climbing uh, routes. Is that right? <laughs> well, that's fair. I mean, I that's, that's, that's totally fair, fair enough. You yeah. know, like I was, it was, um, there was a, um, 
it was it was an interesting time in that world, mm-hmm. and I got introduced to climbing in a very uh, ignorant sort of naive way. I didn't have my my mentors were making it up as well, and they were just a couple <laughs> of years ahead of me, and so um, we didn't have any history here in in Salt Lake City really constraining what we had, and we didn't have any rock either. There was no climbing in Utah in mm-hmm. 1985 to speak of, except in southern Utah and the odd route. In, in Little Cottonwood, Cotton Cotton which is Little strange Cotton given the amount of granite that's around here, and just the amount of rock, yeah, yeah. in general, yeah. and um, and Could, you know, I came along at a time when it was kind of an open, it was a clean slate, and we weren't we we weren't influenced by anything but just like doing harder shit, like so, it was right. just like actually, smaller holds and harder shit, yeah. and that's what we were looking for. What a super cool thing! Like that, I didn't actually tie that together that there was because there was no sort of local tradition mm. um well not only did you not have anything to fight against <laughs> yeah um in, in in one way um but that level of freedom virtually demands creativity yeah like if there's no okay no one's made it held the grass down long <laughs> enough to make a trail yeah so i guess we gotta do it like yeah. and i guess we it goes that way yeah it, this is kind of a flashback because uh, so uh, my dad got me into rock climbing. So this would have been, I, w- I was six when I did one of my first climbs. So it would be like a 1988. Mm-hmm. And he was using hand-drawn route maps because yep. there were none. And so his friend would draw, you know, we, we uh, our, our best spot was the gate buttress. So half of those, I guess, didn't exist. And I didn't ever think about that until now that I just had this flashback because you, you said like, oh yeah, we're just making this shit up as we go along. And I literally thought he was just, ma- I thought he was like messing with me when I was a little kid because he had this like hand-drawn basic treasure map to find, I think it was like Mary's Corner or something up yeah. in the gate buttress. Yeah. It was like one of, it was just like a picture and he looked at it and he's like, I think that's it. Yeah. And then we went and climbed it. And I was like, Haha, he's just messing with me because I'm a little kid. But now I'm like, no, he had no fucking clue what he was yeah, doing. Yeah, Actually, no, it, it was. It, we yeah. were making it up. It was napkins and like sketches yeah. of like, hey, there's a new route up in this spot yeah. and this spot. Like, turn right at the at the three trees. You know, I, I like, wonder if he still has the notebook because he he's very meticulous with this kind. Of, he also always has a van, which is hilarious. But <laughs> the art of the hand drawn topo, though, is. I mean, was it that was a great era? Yeah. Sadly. Yeah. Yeah. Somewhat uh, and, superseded and, by. Yeah, well, yeah, just in the analog world yeah. in a way, but that's a different rabbit hole. So, yes. so you had the <laughs> we can go. That's what you're best known for, like climbing, adventuring, that that kind of deal. Um, but now, which is also, you know, we always find our way down this path is photography as well, and how you described photography. Uh, oh, when you were the, talking with Chris, yeah, yeah, when, yeah it was just like, oh man, that's somebody who really gets it. And how did that oh, develop for you? Thanks. Like, well, I mean, again. You know, it's, uh, I think in the beginning, in the beginning, I I have less education about photography Mm -hmm. than I did about graphic design. And I spent a lot of time as a graphic designer, education as a graphic designer, working at Black Diamond as a graphic designer. And then... I'm just, excuse me, just pause for one second. You know why... yeah. yeah. Okay. <laughs> we need your help. <laughs> We're, you're just being recruited just now. Yeah. yeah that little is, glance was like, like uh-huh. okay, he's in. He's well, part of it. We have he's, this rule that we're like, well, maybe this is a bad rule. This sounds closed minded, but we have this 
kind of feeling that the people that we need to be involved with will find us or we will find them somehow. Yeah, it's and organic. You'll notice we don't really leave this building, so they have to find <laughs> us. Yeah. They have to. It's like, <laughs> oh, yeah, we want to have a conversation with you, but uh, I'm just going to. I could send you a microphone. Uh, I'd just rather have send you a fucking plane ticket. That's. Yeah. Why, why wouldn't you just send a fucking plane ticket? It's smart. Yeah, because it's a bit, it's so much, such a much better way to have a conversation. Yeah. Than in person, for sure. Yeah. There's my, I, so I recorded one with, um, when I was in Phoenix with Brian Enos, and, uh, and he turned me on to one that he had done before. And they'd, and, and I was like, Brian, I tried to listen. Well, I did listen to it. <laughs> if it wasn't you, I would have stopped because this, it was like a Skype call and thing, and right. it was warbly, and the sound yeah. was just fucking horrible. Yeah. And I'm a sound snob now, apparently. Um, but, <laughs> You're a pretty but, much a snob about everything uh, as near as I can tell. So, a quick note on snob. I, why, thank you. Cameras, I'm going to defend the life. term snob real quick. Yeah. Because yeah. I think... Discerning. Yeah. No, no. It Discriminating. It's not actually. So, uh, it, it's a pejorative today. Right? Yeah. So, everybody, oh, you're snobby about that. But snob actually comes from S-nob, which means sine nobilitate. Right, so from the era of where does he get this shit? Shut up, Paul. <laughs> he doesn't sleep. Cena <laughs> Nobility was to differentiate the kids that would go to um, a university in in England. It would differentiate from family named nobility to those who earned it. So Cena Nobility without nobility became S Nob for short. So a snob, somebody who had to prove their nobility. And so now when you have to prove, like, I don't see it as a fucking pejorative. I see yeah. it as a fucking compliment. Like, yeah, I'm, I'm a goddamn snob because I've <laughs> run 400,000 shots of espresso for me to be able to judge your shitty cup of coffee. Not yours. Yours was great today, by the way. It was excellent. Why, thank you. It was hand ground. You know, I called that. But I used the hard water. I didn't use the filter. <laughs> but that's that actually better. <laughs> Distilled, distilled doesn't. I mean, you'll ruin your machine. First of all, you need the mineral deposit. Anyway, oh, sorry, tangent I, I, over. Go ahead. No. So, so, um, Michael has never seen a rabbit hole he didn't go into headfirst. Sometimes we can grab his feet and like keep him from going all the way, but generally we just like I just push him, him in. <laughs> go, he'll be back and wait for me to drown in the my own soil. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Okay, he's six feet under. Fucking bury him. All right, in, he'll be back in a couple of minutes. Yeah. So we, you, I'm sorry. Before I cut in, we were sort of talking about like the the that graphic design maybe led. To, well, graphic you, design taught me how to use photography, so. Mm. I ended up wanting to make usable photography in a way that was, um, you know, in a, in a, for for in the beginning to to depict climbing the way I saw it, and for and then and you know influenced heavily by by David Carson and the zines of the '80s and '90s and Raygun and all that stuff, the end yeah. of print, all of that stuff was a big. Um, you know, had it had quite a, was quite influential, and how they used photography and imperfections in photography. So, so being naive about it and just wanting to kind of blur the lines, as it were, and create something more impressionistic it was um, the way the way it all kind of started. Hmm. And uh, and yeah, that I don't I don't see it any other way, honestly. You know, I I, I don't. I, it has there. There has to be there has to be some kind of an edge for it to be interesting. And and one of the fascinating things for me that um, when 
I can't even remember. I, I remember sitting in my car in Gallup, New Mexico, and we, you know, talking, can, can, yeah. talking like for an hour and a half. I'm just like sweating and baking in this car <laughs> in the sun. I like it's conversations too. I can't like punch out right now. But and then and then seeing a, you know because I hadn't seen your work with the camera, and then realized like. Oh wait! So there's a commercial aspect, and because obviously, if you're trying to make a living, there's a certain that there are those demands. Like there's the commercial demand. Yeah, but that's a long conversation. Oh, it's a journey. It, you know. Yeah, it, but then to go from that and to see in a, what I would use the word gulf <laughs> to describe what is between the commercial work and your own personal stuff. Yeah, because like I look at your personal stuff and go, oh man. Some and sometimes like, nice. The thing I most recently sent Michael was some. It was actually somebody else's picture, but I've done this with one of yours. Was like, I'm quitting. I'm gonna sell my Check fucking cameras. I'm gonna become a barista. I'm fucked. So you, I'm so useless. Because yeah. some of those pictures are like incredibly powerful. Oh, man, thanks. And I, although I have not seen them, I I definitely will will look into them. And one of the things that I appreciate so much and i thought it was really cool what you said just now was the way i saw it yes which is (laughs) so fucking cool like you you had a vision and a way that that you perceived this this sport or this activity and you weren't satisfied with what you were seeing so you captured it the way you wanted it to be seen or the way you saw it it's kind of am i on to the same yeah yeah i mean you have a way that you want to see it yeah 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 things that you're intimate with for sure that's the problem with commercial photography is you're not intimate with any of the stuff that you're shooting. But in Intr- order to be a photographer, yes. you yeah, have to yeah. go down that route. Yeah. Cause I don't have, you know, I'm not independently wealthy. So it's like, it, I be, it became <laughs> Wait, my what? job. How do, you, how do you even function? No trust fund? <laughs> like, so like, yeah, so no trust fund. And I think Paul no, is the only one who is consistently employed in this room right now. Like Michael and I haven't worked in, I don't know fucking how long. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I've been yeah. consistently employed since I was 16. Yeah. Oh, I've been consistently unemployed been, <laughs> since 2001, I think. Yeah. I was going to say, maybe I've been unemployable since 19. 82 yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and, and there is that <laughs> yeah also that, that's another cool aspect is like to to really capture something you have to have the passion for it or at least the uh, knowledge of that the the activity to capture the the points that that are meaningful it Part, seems I, like you see a lot of commercialized stuff or or people that dabble in in capturing images in different activities that, that they that they don't have any background in and you can see the difference for sure from my naive like, I think part of it is like point of view knowing by way of participation in the um, in the, the activity let's say is knowing or understanding what is about to happen yeah right like seeing exactly okay, this, this is about to happen it, yeah. it, being yeah. able to anticipate rather where somebody who okay we love your pictures we want you to shoot this activity with which you're completely unfamiliar well that's where you know 20 frames a second came from yeah yeah because they're like i don't know what's about to happen so i'm just gonna blast yeah yep and so paul hadn't seen any of your pictures so i just showed him a couple i'm so like, oh. oh now you get it <laughs> <laughs> because because the angle at which you shoot this and maybe this is this is something um uh, we were joking around, uh, kind of joking around about trying to capture maybe someone like Sam uh, Novi who will go down and climb in Peru or something. Like, oh, it'd be cool to go capture what this is to go on that. And Mark was supposed to be like, yeah, how are you going to do that? Yeah. 
You have to have the ability to you have go to where they're first going. Be able to fucking climb and carry uh, everything yeah. you need to carry. And to not, and in order to not interfere, you actually need to be more competent and fit and capable than the person that you're shooting. <laughs> I need to be ahead. Yeah. I had this conversation with um, a guy named Thomas Bubendorfer um, years ago, and uh, um, and he's a guy. Who, he had a speed record on the North Face of the Eiger that stood for like 22 years. I mean, the guy was he was amazing, and and um, sort of a. Uh, he's a contemporary of mine and actually reconnected with him recently, a couple months ago. But, um, back at the time he was just like, I'm going to go, I want to go solo the, you know, the RuPaul face of Nanga Parbat. And, but I want it to be documented and you're the only person that I can think of who could a keep up, you know, and, and B carry a camera and see it. And I was like, that sounds like a totally great way for me to die. <laughs> <laughs> Because I yeah. almost didn't come back from the last time I was there on oh. that face. And, but it, it's amazing. Like when you're thinking about making the photograph, you're not necessarily thinking about all the other shit that you should actually be thinking about to be alive. Prerequisite skills. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> yeah. Because so, there is that idea these days of like, oh, if I was there with my phone, I could have taken that same picture. I just wasn't there. Like, yeah. exactly. Oh, no, no. If I, no, I was there, but then I didn't have, I only had my phone. I didn't have your special camera. <laughs> So it, it, <laughs> isn't that, it's always something, but I, I, I like the idea of prereq, prerequisite skills because this is, uh, I, I mean, we could take this back to a, a fundamental um, learning language in order to communicate with others, in order to get help, in order to learn, in order to educate, in order to teach others so they come with you. Like this whole, this whole adventure that you go, anything that's worth doing that's remarkable starts with a foundation of prerequisite skills mm -hmm. and then you're slowly adding into this toolbox in order to do what you just said in a very clever way which is i wanted to represent climbing the way i saw it and that is like holy shit and i would ask or uh, way you wanted to see it yeah yeah. So, yeah 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 because that that's um that's something about photography that's is kind of magical because we can capture one second that can have like a ethereal quality to it like a the picture of a guy hanging off a cliff makes me feel like the same adrenaline not this exact same but i i can uh, there's a uh empathic quality to like i can feel the adrenaline that he's feeling right i feel scared because he looks scared yeah. or he looks confident i'm scared that i wouldn't be confident or whatever the thing is and that that is very cool and i, I would wonder how how would you go about capturing what you deem what you see um, a life experience worth seeing, like how would you capture that on film? What would what would be the what would be the pictures that hold up the fact that you travel quite a bit, the fact that you're into surfing, the fact that you're obviously very nature driven um, and extreme sports driven. But well, I'm also things... pretty interested in architecture and and fine mm. design, and I have a lot of great um, opportunities to shoot really beautiful architecture as well, and that's just something that's. It's also interesting. So it's not. It's it's just. Um, I think things that I'm interested in. I think that that's the that's there the thing, is. right? Yeah. It's authentic. Mm -hmm. It's authentic interests. Yeah. Yeah. Um, you're not going to be doing like wedding photography music. anytime soon. I'm not a wedding photographer, <laughs> and specifically not a wedding photographer. And it's like you know, to, and 
kudos to all the wedding photographers out there because it's the hardest job in the world. Oh, I but could like, not imagine. I mean, honestly, under that pressure, and, and you know, I, I'd rather shoot. I'd rather be. I'd rather shoot war. You know what yeah. I mean? And I'm not interested in war, yeah. so that's not that's not something that I'm going to shoot. It's the same shoot. thing, right? But it's the same <laughs> thing. Well, um, <laughs> wait, I'm going to grab his feet this time. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Grab his feet. Pull him out. Pull him out, man. For the first time, I'm dropping his feet. Don't casualties. There's no, casualties. Yeah. No, but um, it's, uh, yeah, I think it's just authentic interest. The thing is about being a commercial photographer, though, is that it was sort of, in a way, like for sure, it was my Hamburg sessions. And it was really, really important to understand everything that I kind of needed to understand about photography. I think I, you know, to go to school mm-hmm. under pressure was, it was critical, I think. Um, and there's this thing in architecture, like the the old Italian architecture school basically dictates that, no, 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 if you learn good design, that means you can design a table, a chair, a fork, a mm-hmm. knife, a picture, a house, a whatever. And I think- A van. A van. <laughs> well, I mean- <laughs> it, uh, the, A these, photograph. These rules are, maybe they're in essence mathematical, so they kind of diverge or they converge in into one another. Um, and maybe that's the beauty of it is that it doesn't matter whether you have a camera or a van to build, you're building something and it all comes from this aesthetic quality of design. Would that be kind of, yeah, I I would say, I would say, I would say, well, my father was an artist and Mm -hmm. I, so I grew up in a a house of that, you know, of that, in that subjective territory. So, um, and I, you know, um, I hold, I hold it up. At the high in the highest esteem. I mean, more than more than your, mm-hmm. more than your your vocations and your, mm-hmm. you know, your PhDs and stuff like that. Um, so I revere good art and artists and the ability to. And even though I understand the subjectivity and mm-hmm. I t- completely understand the bullshit and I completely understand the game, it's still there's still something special about that whole puzzle that comes together that's that I hold up really high. Um, I've always wanted to, you know, I've always wanted to get there. It's just that um, the Wu way is a long way. <laughs> you know what I mean? It, you know, I'll get there. <laughs> it, it's, I, think I never swim, swim upstream ever. It's just yeah. pointless. So um, I just, just, you know, follow the path and this is part of the path. I mean, even mm. being here, you know, it's, for some reason. For some, yeah, for some reason, and and I, I think one of the reasons maybe that we resonated pretty well when we first met was 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 uh, that I could see like wow, this is someone who has depth that exists outside of climbing, right? Because I was in a world of like people who were just super focused on climbing and 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 only that, and mm-hmm. that you I would never be able to sit down with you know one of my contemporaries in Chamonix and talk about art right for, yeah. or, not, or, or not architecture that or, not, not, that many, not that many you know, no, the, the, yeah. I, I mean uh, that's a generalization obviously because you know Francois Marcini I mean the guy has a degree in architecture which obviously hmm. or maybe not obviously he doesn't use um, but and, and there, were, there were people who were who, who had a, a, a similar sort of artistic aesthetic um, the, but they again they were few and far between right. and like then coming here and realizing like oh man so there was a there was a picture that, and I'm trying to I have to maybe able to get this get this right. And um, Chris Noble shot of me that 
on maybe it's the cracked canyon it was uh the icicle was sort of the free hanging thing to yeah. be, that ultimately became that black diamond turtleneck yeah, yeah. That, that i took the color slide and took it into the dark room and then printed the reverse and then hand painted the print and there was a small print and then you took that and expanded it and then evolved <laughs> and then ultimately that came, became this incredibly cool graphic that I still wish I had that. Yeah, for sure. Night. Yeah. It was like one of the first sort of, you know, ice climbing specific sort you know, pieces of clothing that black diamond had done. And it was, um, and that thing was fucking beautiful. And I just thought, okay, that this is a, I mean, and that was a period in my life when I was trying to, I was trying to find what my, instead of just documenting climbing only, you know, I could see that there was like all of the, work in progress kind of stuff that we shot with Petzl and um, st- where, where the pieces of gear are becoming manufactured and then that right. all found its way into the multimedia presentations and that kind of stuff and I just thought okay I, there's a kindred spirit here and you know too bad he's in the sport climbing <laughs> <laughs> well that's all, and the only reason well, I say that is just so cold yeah, well <laughs> I agree. I, but, I just don't want but, to be cold. But the only reason that I say that, I mean, I would have denigrated sport climbing back in the day for its reductionist philosophy. But, um, but the only reason I say that now is because it that it was the barrier to spending more time together. Right. Right. Mm. Yeah. For sure. But but I mean, it was. Yeah. There was, um, and t- just to be clear, there was never any kind of. Uh, there was, I mean, I, we, because of the way that we started climbing in Utah, I became friends with all the people that were the most notorious, even the, you know, John Backer was a very good friend of mine. Mm. And, and it was like, and he was like a real naysayer against, mm. you know, against, the, against sport climbing yeah. and a lot of this stuff. Like we were just here naive going, going along, doing what we do. And I think because it was a, an authentic sort of pursuit, you know, people like Mark and that were into these other things that were definitely more purist and, and backer who was definitely more purist. Like there was, there was no competition between us. And it was all just kind of like, I don't know what these guys are doing over here, but it's, it's fine with me. Like they're, they're enjoying themselves and they're, you know, they're additive to the community. They're giving back and we're all having a good time. So. I, I think that's a possibly describing or at least pointing out the fact that even if you have, uh, philosophical contentions. If you're within a smaller group or a demographic, you have more in common than you have uh, in, in conflict. For sure, right? For sure. Like yeah. uh, you could say, that not to bring like humanity is one, yay. But like, the, I'm sorry, but if you're a Republican or Democrat, you have more in common as a human being than you do as for opposition. Sure. It's just the 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 fight. Like, the, oh, sport climbing is for you know the, they're changing the aesthetic of the rock or they're changing nature or they're not living up to the real the conservationist attitude yeah, from the, which the, climbing developed in the first place yeah, yeah. or whatever the the thing yeah. is i um, caught in there that you were you were naive in utah and i thought that was that was super surprising because there's there's no one that's naive in utah <laughs> so <laughs> it's an oxymoron yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> I, I like that it, it, it's really cool to hear no matter who we bring in here it's funny like all the the, the different little threads that that are similar you know and and me myself, I'm definitely driven and compelled by art as well, and, and w- the things that I am into definitely all have like an aesthetic quality to them and a design to them that I appreciate. Uh, and it's something that <clears throat> I think that's the way I learn is through art. And I mean, mm. it's it's the way that I, I things resonate with me is is through something visual because I think um, I know myself anyway. I can't speak for for us but uh i'm compelled by visual things yeah. and, and it's I, I really appreciate that it's funny i um 
when I was going to school, uh, when I was trying to figure out what the hell I wanted to do, um, <laughs> which was not go to school. <laughs> yeah. I, uh, I was, you know, I like building shit. I've always liked building shit. And I was like, ah, I, I like design work. So architecture. And that's, that's the, after I, I just by default got a, a degree, an associate's degree by in general studies, I was like, oh, well now it's time to try to figure this out. And, uh, I started down that path and then figured out that, I like the idea of it, but not uh, the scene of it. Yeah. Um, I think a lot of architects yeah. figure that out. <laughs> yeah. Uh huh. That's why it's, you know, it's like there's just one thing to design, you know, McMansions and cookie cutter houses, yeah. and it's another thing to design, um, you know, the, the most beautiful homes in the world. Yeah. I just, yeah, I just shot a $36 million dollar house oh, in wow. LA, in so West Hollywood. Show that's on... insane. Netflix called Grand Designs. <laughs> oh, so in the show is like I know nothing about architecture other than like man I like that or ooh this looks cool or but the phil the philosophical boundaries that they tie architecture into are so like they they transverse into every other subject that you'd ever talk about like how to put. Uh, a design in the middle of a forest and 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 make the man-made appearance with nature like all this stuff like convert and it has to do with like how do we climb this rock and pay respect to nature how do we you know accomplish this task and do this like this is that is design in in, in my eyes and there, there's a fairly uh, listening to there's a fairly famous architect who actually goes to the sect uh ken and i i didn't know what they had dealt with, but they basically designed almost everything in Utah that's worth a damn. <laughs> like <laughs> uh, their firm, FFKR, FFK, is, yeah. yeah, is just, and he's responsible for pretty much that whole thing. And it was, it, we had a good conversation about, you know, I was just picking his brain about architecture because this one show, in fact, um, the architect, I can't remember his name, it's going to drive me crazy, but um, he had this really great. Uh, premise after um, following this couple, it took four years to build this really alternative house in in the dead set in Fulham Broadway area in, in London, which is a fucking shit show. First of all, it's all old timey houses, and they just yeah. built this like I don't opposite thing. I don't even know what, to, but they use corrugated aluminum and industrial supply and 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 weird lighting to make it modern. And it took them a really long time to build this thing out because they were doing it on a budget of like 1.6 million pounds. Apparently that's a fucking budget. <laughs> Don't tell London probably is. Yeah. <laughs> in, a, in London, that's a budget. And so, the, so it's a small house. It's, it's a very small <laughs> And at the end Modest. of it, he had this thing that I, I fucking stole straight up. He, he went through the man in this process and figuring out the concepts and the shapes and where to put this area. It's like, you know, at the end of the day, it matches this poster that I have in, in my room. Um, it says, revolution is fucking exhausting <laughs> it's like i just don't i don't understand what it is about design and art that gets people to the same pay the same philosophical leanings uh, and that's uh, without knowing you very well i could listen to your conversation and other conversations or what mark tells me but i'm like yeah probably like that guy and you show up in a van i'm like i really like that van i don't know what's yours i'm just like whoever drives that is thinking differently yeah and and to be to serious like in a serious note like uh, you have a sprinter style van that is outfitted custom so you can live the way you want to live and that says more about somebody than what comes out of their actual mouth yeah 
I, I yeah, I'm in a hundred percent agreement that that definitely says more about me than anything, yeah. and it's it's actually absolutely um, my uh, it's my favorite object in the world, <laughs> and it's and it's and you know what it is? It's an object of freedom. It's complete freedom, and that's the that's the difference between that and you know uh, festering in a in a in a Portland winter mm-hmm. or a festering in a Salt Lake City summer time mm-hmm. and just being able to get no, I guess a little festering money. is it appropriate for Portland in the winter. <laughs> I, I think like being desiccated <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> by, a, by Utah or Salt Lake City Salt Lake summer is a bit summer more heat. Yeah. Like there is yeah. no humidity. Yeah. Like, but, but the nights here, you know, ever. all you need to do is leave at like nine o'clock in the morning and come back at eight because the evenings in Salt Lake City in the summer Pretty. are insane. Yeah. You know, it's yeah. like walking on the streets. You yeah. can. You, you can actually you can, do so yeah and, and, yeah. and love it's lovely um, you know uh, but it's it's nice it's nice especially as a as a photographer to um, be able to jump in the van and go someplace and not wish you were there already or or can't stay long enough to you know, can't sit in the car. I'm not a super patient person. I don't, you know, fairly patient, but like I think of guys like Mark and, and, and the guys in the mountains that spend, you know, three or four days waiting out a storm. And it's like, that's a deal breaker for me. <laughs> you know, I'm, I'm very much like, uh, I like, I, I, I like as long as things are happening, yeah. but once things start stagnating, I'm, and it's just a waiting game. Um, mm. I need to go do something else and then come back later. Yeah, Man, maybe I'm that's fidgety. a fault. I'm fidgety. fidgety. Yeah, you know, maybe that's a fault, and I can I can accept that. But um, I, it might just be a trait. Maybe a trait. I was going <laughs> to say, at this point, it's not going to change. It's probably so, probably not. Roll, yeah. roll, yeah, yeah, drive yeah. with it. Yeah, so you, roll with it. <laughs> you said something um, that I want to uh, kind of pin you down to. You said never swim upstream, and this might have something to do with the fidgety nature where. Um, not, I, I wouldn't say that you're, um, obviously you're okay with resistance because you don't work for anybody in particular. You work for yourself. Yeah. Therefore it's not, you're against resistance. What is, uh, what type of resistance is it that makes you switch direction? And is that, has that capability allowed you to be this autonomous person that you are today? Uh, that capability, well, not con- I think not conforming. I get by quite well on quite a little. You know, my needs are pretty minimal, and I, and um, I keep. I I try to. I mean, I I can be I can be enticed by sh- by shiny objects, but I don't need shiny objects. Mm-hmm. And I've 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 been really fortunate to live a really. I think of. I've had a lot of great experiences and a lot of great experiences that are expensive experiences that I haven't had to pay for or I haven't paid for. And those those are those are for that I'm fortunate and those come along every once in a while, but on my own I just don't need that much. And so when I don't need that much, I don't need that much money and I don't need to play that many games and I can kind of live life on my terms and that's 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 where it kind of you know you know it's like I've never there might I might have a price where I could sit in an office all day. I don't know what that price is. It's never been offered to me, and there's never <laughs> been that opportunity. Mm. So you know, I make I make a decent amount of money doing what I do on my own time and my own schedule, and and um, 
and and then in terms of well, I think when I said that I don't I'm not going to try to f- like I like what I do well enough now and I, I enjoy my time surfing and stuff like that that I'm not necessarily going to maybe I want to have an art show for instance mm-hmm. but I probably don't want to do everything that it takes on an ongoing basis and live that lifestyle to force it mm. before it happens. I think if it's going to happen, it's going to happen because I'm always leaning that way. You know what I mean? My stuff is out there and I've got a collection of things that I'm interested in taking to that next level, but um, I'm not necessarily forcing it or mm. trying trying to force a, peg, a square peg. I'm sorry, you just hole. got recruited again. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> to just be like, part of a... There's a checkbox <laughs> and so another checkbox. Like, yeah, this is an interview, basically. No. Yeah. <laughs> an interview, but not like you think that it is. Uh, so about the minimal That's, thing, because... I'm I, glad you don't need much. We have no ability to pay you anything. We, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. we have free water, and there's always beer in the fridge. Yeah, yeah. I'm, I'm always going and buying beer. So <laughs> Priorities were a good sound system, yep. water well, and beer. Everything else will figure itself out. Yep. Yeah. So I stress this, and maybe because I like want to excuse my own mediocrity at some point. But when we're we're talking about um, fitness uh, qualities, mostly people are talking about the ends of the spectrum, like the ability to be very very strong, which I am not, or the ability to be very very powerful. I'm not that either. Or even on the the other spectrum, your ability to just ultimately endure for long periods of time. And I would lean more towards that way. But I sell it as to people as like, uh, if you could pick qualities in people, um, I'm mostly looking for people to not be a liability. And that's what I'm trying to do myself, not be a liability. I don't want other people to carry me. Therefore, I don't want to require a lot. I don't want a lot of fuel. I don't want, I don't want to, yeah, it's cool to burn hot, but ultimately I've had friends that burn very hot as in they're very loud. They, they, they need a lot of attention. They need a lot of oomph to go and it's a fucking exhausting. And I would rather- you know, I'd rather be the the person. Kind of how you describe is kind of exactly like maybe that's what feels so uh, homeward bound with this this lifestyle that you're describing is because I, man, I want to be that person that can just say, "Hey guys, we don't have anything, but we need to go as far and as long as we possibly can." And there's no food or water. I'm like, cool. I'm like, I'm gonna go a long time because I don't need a lot. Yeah. You know, I don't need attention. I don't need praise. I don't need you know too much water, and I don't need too much food. And if we don't have it, I'm I'm willing to sacrifice quite a bit to to go on this journey. I think what you just described, in essence, is what I try to describe as a valuable capability for people. Like, don't require much, but that means being capable physically and mentally. And I yeah. think you, you probably accomplished the the physical one through climbing. Uh, you you became fairly confident and capable. And um, just when did you pick up surfing? Oh, um, started in my mid to late thirties. Okay, that, so. that's not a normal thing. Like that is a young guy sport because it beats the. It sure, piss seems out of like you. it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It beats the piss. I, I've I've surfed and I, I don't really feel like I want to do it now because it fucking hurts yeah. when you don't when you get when you don't surf when you when you fail to surf. Yeah. <laughs> There's you, a lot of failing to surf. <laughs> It's a lot of waiting too. You, you, waiting it would be and ridiculous waiting. to try to learn how to surf if you didn't love the process. And I don't mind mm-hmm. the process at all. That's so I awesome. love sitting in the ocean. Yeah. I love paddling out. I love being in there. Um, you know, um, yeah, just uh, I like I like it a lot. I'm it's, immersed in it. It doesn't seem like that's a bad way to spend a morning. 
It's no. like just sitting out in the ocean, even if it's just no waves. But in that in that essence, like that that capability, that physical capability. I also really enjoy the coastlines of the of the yeah. planet. So a lot. I like I'm attracted to water. And so, you know, with climbing, I explored a lot of the inlands and the mountains and the and the crags of the of the world. And it's really it, well, my big takeaway from climbing, besides everything else, is the community of people I met mm -hmm. and I continue to meet guys like Mark and everybody. I mean, it's, this is all because of climbing. I'm sitting here, right? So that and all the places that I've been, been able to see. And so like that was, I think that's the main reason I ended up becoming a photographer after I kind of retired as a climber, if that was such a thing. <laughs> <laughs> you know, that's like, uh, you know, like yes. as soon as I wasn't <laughs> traveling on somebody else's dime, and I, I wanted to keep traveling and um, I just wanted to keep that, that, that show going. And so it was, I, I, it's, it's funny because I, I, I would say that like climbing took me places that I would never have gone without right. it for sure. And, and some of those places were great and some of them were less great. Um, and then I guess I kind of kept traveling after when I started doing movie work and I got to go to a lot of less great places yeah. on movie jobs. <laughs> yeah. Like, like places, <laughs> I mean that ultimately I actually enjoyed the six months that I spent in around in and around Detroit and Pontiac, you know, but in the beginning I was just like, I don't really want to go there. I didn't want to go to Bulgaria. Yeah. I didn't, you know, it, but there were all of those. It doesn't, doesn't matter. It's, you know, that if you make a commitment, it doesn't matter what you want or what you expect. And moreover, it doesn't matter what you expect is going to happen when you go to this place right. because it will it it might be that but it won't be only that yeah. and it will probably if you are a a seeker of something you will you know you will find he used to have long hair <laughs> did you there's a yeah, totally now random I'm dead question bald. yeah <laughs> sure but did you climb in city rocks in the early 90s yeah. by yourself I climbed there a lot. I mean, yeah, especially in the early 90s. I was like a 10-year-old kid, and I met you. Yeah, yeah. Maybe. Who's I your dad? Steve Blevins. You, you didn't know him, but you were you were bouldering by yourself. I remember you specifically. I took some pictures of you, which I might actually be able to. As a 10-year-old? As a 10-year-old, because I got my first camp. My dad gave me my Damn. first camera. Were you we're, camping in that camping site, and I was climbing in yes, this and weird we had a white, wonder turtle thing? Yes, and we had a white Get the hell van. out of here. I'm not fucking joking. That's so funny. I... I remember that had day. Red shorts on in a fucking what in a chalk bag, and I took pictures of you. I'm not so fucking funny. kidding. I just that's super it, funny. something awesome. snapped, and I'm like, I'm not gonna ask because I don't want to make. So I just looked up pictures of you to see if like I could find a picture of you Holy with longer. I think yeah. I was looking for bouldering specifically up in the city of Rocks yeah. that day. Yeah, yeah, yeah. just bouldering. Yeah. And I watched you. I watched you, and that was one of the like the, I was trying to take pictures of you, and I couldn't. I couldn't take the picture that I wanted. And when I developed those pictures, they weren't what I wanted. They didn't express what, and that, that's such a fun. Well, what I'm was just, funny is like, that wasn't so really a boulder strange. problem. And I was trying to make something of nothing right there. <laughs> and I You're was like- forcing. You weren't going with the flow. Well, I was really trying to find some, I, I was trying to unlock what I thought was the potential of City of Rocks bouldering. Oh, this is so- Because nobody was bouldering up there. And there's a reason for that because the rock isn't really great for bouldering. Right. It's really great rock climbing there. Mm -hmm. And it's really great for, especially for sort of 510, 5, yep. well, 5'7 through 5'13, really, yeah. five, especially 5'12. 
And then it starts to kind of taper off. It's not really great rock for harder climbing. Mm-hmm. And that's what we wanted for bouldering was we were always looking for, you know, hard, harder, hard. harder yeah, yeah. stuff. Like hard, hard stuff. I just remember this a conversation, speaking of bouldering once, that, that um, I was involved in. I had nothing to contribute, but it was about bouldering. And you were talking about, like, it's, it's going to come down to the one move. Like, that's where this is going in t- terms of boulder. And, and to me, it had never occurred to me that that was... And when I kind of joked about like the reductionist right, sport right. climbing, I mean, bouldering is even more reductionist. And then, and then, and here's Boone talking about like, yeah, one move. I'm going, oh, fuck, I'm gonna, that is completely not my experience climbing. Because <laughs> it's not one move. Like it's not, it's uh, thousands. Like, it kind of starts there, I guess, with one. You got to start somewhere. But, but it was, it was oh, one of those, it was something I had, and it had to be sort of an early 90s conversation. I can't remember exactly who was there, but it might have been, I mean, Wigand might have been around at that yeah. point or something, and, or, and Dale. But um, it's reduced it, it was, it to was that. so That's the foreign to right? me. Yeah. Like, it just, like, like, it was a statement. It was a moment which comp- uh, obviously stayed with me for 30 years or whatever. Right. That, that like, oh, conceptually, this is a f- what a forward-thinking person involved in this discipline sees well how it how it and how that relates to everything else is that that's the impasse that's the filter the hardest move is the filter so it yeah. does i mean we're both in a, in a way like well i'm not you ta- know, let's see not talking about the crux the journey necessarily yeah. but finding the the hardest the, move the hardest move yeah, yeah. That, that that would seem to be the the the, the, the point of it and, yeah. and, and, if, and if there was only okay and it was a bunch of easy stuff and this and that and there was like the single hardest move okay the single hardest move on a boulder problem in the world happens nine moves up this 15 move problem or whatever and but it all came down to that one thing and, yeah. and, and the quest of seeking that one thing and I just that's uh, like the the physical equivalent of like the ultimate chess move Kind of like the you know the queen, and it's probably or, not and it, it doesn't exist right sure. yeah, it's yeah, yeah, like yeah. it's the elusive yeah you know, that's you the, wanted to because that would that would that would that would make or break whatever the sport was. Like by saying like this is the in, or this is the the pinnacle or the ultimate then, game over game. Yeah, yeah, the game ends. <laughs> like, the, exactly. the sign comes up like game, game over. Yeah. You're done. The machine breaks. Reinvent yourself. <laughs> Do something <laughs> different. <laughs> no one should ever boulder again because it's not worth it. If this is the one thing, <laughs> that's that's fucking. Yeah. That's really bizarre. Now I'm gonna literally have to go to my house and tear apart all through my like childhood Boxes photos. Slides, yeah, because I, I like this. It, 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 it could be off. It, it, I could be 13, 12 or thirteen. It could have been that old, but it was definitely City of Rocks, and that that changed my perspective of climbing. Because for the first time, I'd watch my dad. My dad is a very pragmatic climber. He's just like, this is what we're gonna do. We're gonna climb this, and we're gonna do reps up five nine so that we can climb five ten. And once we do reps up five ten, we can climb five eleven. And it was just fucking boring to me. Yeah. And I think you came along and you were working on a problem. If it was you, and I was just watching you move and work through problems, and I was like, I want to do that. Like I want to be free of the thing, and especially my dad telling me what to do. And I just want to like <laughs> climb like that. And it stuck with me. I still have a dead image in my head. And That's if that funny. was you, it will fucking blow my mind it might have been i mean i remember i remember going up there looking for that and i remember going into near a campsite and um, a, a father and son scenario and they're kind of watching me and kind of but not really and kind of 
kind of trying to mind my own business, but it, that's amazing. That's pretty f- That is so funny. fucking weird. But the similarity, the, the camera has always had a role, even though it's never been direct and climbing has always had an impact, even though it hasn't ever been direct. Cause I gave it up fairly early, like around 17, I was done with it. Um, but it always comes back around. Like, yeah. Now my stepdaughter's learning to climb and I'm like, ah, you don't, oh, maybe you do want to learn how to do this thing. And then it's like, like the camera went away and, and it just like fell back in my hands. I'm like, well, now it's a utility thing. No, it's not. It's, <laughs> yeah. it's going back to school every time these things come around. And you just mentioned in fact, like, man, none of this would ever happen with climbing. This place wouldn't be here without rock climbing yeah. because yeah. Mark wouldn't have ever been like the, if you reduce yeah, things insane. down, you're like, this is so fucking bizarre how such an esoteric adventuring effort like climbing a fucking rock has a building here dedicated toward changing the physiology and the psychology of fucking human beings they just but I, but i think i think that's sort of a natural mm-hmm. um development from uh from climbing in in the sense because i would say certainly when i started doing it and even more so before before i started for others that it was a marginalized thing and that that you you basically voted yourself into a very specific subculture by participating in climbing, and therefore, when we you know you pull the wagons in a circle and you know face outward, sort of <laughs> to keep people from coming in, and 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 and, and then whatever happens within the, the the wagons is you know especially if it's like you know these very powerful experiences, they will be bonding. Um, and uh, transformative to, to, to some degree, and and, and it's it, to me it's been kind of entertaining to have have sort of quit climbing, have kind of rejected the climbing community and that sort of thing for a number of years, and then it comes back in these very interesting way, in, yeah. in, in in a in a drip feed sort of way that I can actually appreciate now. Yeah. That that wow, the the best you know the people the people who I consider the best people that I was you know, had relationships with when I was climbing full time are the ones who I still have relationships yeah. with or, 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 you know, had similar experiences and they keep sort of coming, coming back. I'm but, hoping, you know, climbing is out of our hands now. It's out of the, it's not a small oh, yeah. tribe anymore. You know, the genie's out of the bottle. And the thing oh, have gone. you been to a momentum on a Thursday yeah, at five? Yeah. I've, so, so <laughs> one of my Holy main shit. tasks right now is, um, as a, one of, one of the things that I do is I'm a consultant with the North mm-hmm. Face and, and I'm working with them on how to navigate this indoor climbing market. Mm-hmm. And it's like you either try to ignore it and put blinders on or you, you, you know, um, sort of like embrace it mm-hmm. and just accept it for what it is. And, you know, my goal is I'm, I'm on the, I'm, I, I'm in the latter camp. I don't, mm-hmm. you know, I'm, I'm inclusive and it's just in general in my personality, I'm a pretty inclusive guy. So, so as long as, it, you know, I want everything to be additive mm-hmm. though. I don't want, the, I don't want it to dumb down climbing. I want climbing to make everybody smarter. And I think politically, like environmentally, worldly, like, you know, like uh, um, your knowledge of the planet and just like in, in general, I think the world, I think climbers are pretty well, I think our community is fairly, um, enlightened when it comes to these issues that are just kind of icy plaguing the the planet, you know, and it's like all this like me 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 stuff, and it's like that's not that's not sustainable, you know. Um, 
I think so. So I'm hoping I'm hoping that our that our culture can actually, you know, drip feed into the mainstream enough that people at least it makes people conscious conscious or at least it raises awareness i mean if you're in nebraska and you're and you know you might have you you know if you're if you're in in the flyover states Mm -hmm. you know and you're you're politically inclined in a certain direction and it's like and religiously and all that stuff in your community is like talking amongst itself Mm -hmm. that's completely fine with me i accept that it's not necessarily i don't agree with it but the thing is, is like if I can, if 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 the gym in 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 the flyover state is like, if there's a, even a, a few place of that us seeds subversive culture. Just <laughs> well, yeah, there's subversion, and then there's just like conscious being conscious, yeah, and and questioning. You know what I mean? Like yeah. it's um that I mean. Well, I think we should be clear. There's a, a very large difference between um, a community that becomes dogmatic or polarized in their myopic view of the world that still affects the world. Right. Like that, that is unsustainable. There, there's a big difference between that and a community that maybe has a different dogmatic, like, so you t- take, uh, let's just compare it. These are fucking totally random subgroups. <laughs> Be prepared to grab his, grab his ankles. Yeah, so, <laughs> um, Nebraska, or let's say, like, No, we fucked whatever. with Iowa last time, so let's, uh, yeah, let's, let's, let's go, continue with Nebraska. I'm Missouri, let's go Missouri. Missouri, okay. okay so small Missouri, we'll say population, whatever. We'll, we'll make the same population as something like Tibet, where you have, like, people who have dogmatic practices who are practicing what they believe intently, but they are affecting the world differently. Yeah, like th- there's something totally different about that. Um, and that's not to say we all need to become monks and and fucking you know I don't, meditate without clothes on in the winter. Whatever the although that sounds great. Although yeah yeah. I, but 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 there <laughs> I is something like being cold though. But but there is something. Okay, well, we can go to the tropics. what are the differences? <laughs> are, it looks like it's hardship. Like it looks like, and one of the things with with athletes, and we'll say climbers, because I would agree with you, like they tend to have a, like, uh, okay, they all wear neutral colors from REI, like whatever. (laughs) (laughs) They wear shorts over their tights. (laughs) (laughs) It's just like, they wear socks with their Birkenstocks. Yeah, Yeah. exactly. (laughs) Whatever the aesthetic quality that I disagree with, you have to agree that they have a better, view of the world and, and and probably a better way to live and i would say that is because of physical hardship well i wouldn't i i, I have a hard time i can't i can't say into this microphone mm-hmm. uh, i can't give it a value it's yeah. a different yeah, it's yeah, not yeah, necessarily yeah, yeah. you know what i mean like i it's wouldn't value it it's not bad, like i'm right, right yeah. and, and they're wrong and and all this stuff but i think that your views change as you see more as you get more um influence and you 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 know one of the things about climbing and even or even traveling for movies, even if it is to Detroit and Pontiac, you're still cross-pollinating. You're still yes. sharing ideas. Mm-hmm. You're still seeing how the other people live. You know what I mean? If if you just grow up in one place, whether that's Portland or Tibet or Nebraska or Salt Lake City, mm-hmm. if the, if that's your whole world view, mm-hmm. then it's going to be limited. And and yeah. one thing I, I I see what you're saying about the 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 um, expansion of sort of the climbing gym market and, and 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 gyms going into these places is is if if you know the people who are participating, you know, let's just say somebody is in Nebraska and they can't, they don't have the means to leave. Well, perhaps a climbing gym is a way to bring outside culture into that world and then start sort of 
you know, exposing them to different ideas, which then would lead me to the next question about like, okay, North Face is trying to sort of wrap their heads around this market and potential market. And, 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 and it's something that's only going to grow. It's not going away. Um, you know, is there a, a movement in, in within this? Because this is the, the 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 piece of the climbing gym expansion, and the um, that that has always um, stuck sideways, sort of in in my throat. Is this idea? Is like there hasn't been. Um, a, a, a parallel sort of means of, of bringing the history of climbing and the tradition of climbing. That's part of the project w- that I'm working on with the, the the climbing gym thing because I think yeah. that's the, that's the important piece. It's not just okay. This is just a, a a dynamic sort of movement, very different. It's on plastic. It's in a controlled sort of environment that is completely separate. Um, we or, can't get diluted. We have mm-hmm. to we have to be additive into the into the mainstream culture. That's yeah. the, that's the dynamic I'm trying to help. Mm-hmm. And it, and it ha- absolutely, it's like I don't want to. I don't care if people know who I am from the 1990s. I don't need to beat my chest. But but it d- is important to understand where the sport came but from. I'd, l- I'd like them heritage. to know who Paul Proust yeah, was. Yeah, you know, and he was you know a long time before us. But yeah, yeah. but like like some, because because how climbing exists today is completely dependent on i, I, I mean on the uh, otherwise on it's laser trajectory yes. well that, you know? yeah and yeah. if if people don't understand the importance of heritage there's a couple of studies that cover this that um, just document um, the crime and poverty that follows not knowing your family heritage like the less um, family heritage you know about the more likely are you to be uh, rejected by society to not con- like to not uh, integrate well within other cultures. Oh, and that's a very I'm in trouble. I I I, I, <laughs> I don't matter. I know very little about my heritage, but I think that is easily transferable when we're talking about the heritage of a sport, the heritage of an an activity. And I think you're dead on when you say like you need to be exposed to the rest of the world. Like we are like, no matter how much you're against it, unless you want to go start your own little, little cult following somewhere in Oregon or wherever that thing is. Um, cool. Yeah. It sounds great. Like I'm there's all on board. Eastern Oregon somewhere, wasn't it? Yes. Yeah, so, and there's a new one now that's like, there's a ton of them. Yeah, yeah. Now, yeah. now there's like a, a Nordic one, which is fucking hilarious. They like slaughter goats and play black metal or which sounds fucking awesome <laughs> but yeah so so it's the opposite of burning man like every like 364 days a year we build a church and on the 365th we burn it that's awesome yeah, that sounds that's as black metal as can be um, oh man but, but i do think there, there's something um Blaber talked about this in the mission the men and me which is like you can have all the satellites in the world and in, in the uh, the DOD and the DOJ have access to literally some of the most insane information around the world at any time, real-time information, satellite views, uh, people, you know. Electronic intelligence. Electronic intelligence, but there is nothing that relates to having your feet, what he called boots on the ground, which is like, what does the guy on the ground say? Because his relation is accurate and the rest are just kind of snapshots and i think when we look at the world now now we're you know this globalized community where we can oh i I watched the news and i saw this and i I looked on my ipad and i saw that on instagram this person (laughs) did this and this culture does this or i understand islam because you know i read about it that's not the same fucking thing 
And that was one of the like eye-opening things was the first time one of these movie jobs dropped me off in South Africa. And I was like, this is not what I fucking expected. Yeah. And after talking to locals, you're like, it's not what other people tell me that it is. Mm. Like, this is different. And people know that it's different, yep. but they're not talking about it that way. And I think, you know, whether we're talking about Nebraska or, or, or Salt Lake City. Um, I've, watched, uh, I've watched Salt Lake City transform. Mm -hmm. And I give a lot of credit to the climbing community here. Um, from Ted Wilson all the way down to you know just like the like the grassroots level of all the climbing gyms in town and mm -hmm. everyone's got a climber in their family now. I mean, yeah. every you know people that didn't really know anything about it, mm -hmm. you know, and I've and it's become a community of, and it's it's the reason that the outdoor retailer trade show came to Salt Lake City. Mm -hmm. Yeah, mm -hmm. R.I.P. It's in Denver now, but it's like it's been here for twenty five years because of the climbing community yeah. because of Black Diamond. And, and Pencil and the, came here because of that. And Solomon moved here because of that. And you have this industry bubbling around, bubbling and, and, up. And then all of the other sort of, you know, satellite, satellite stuff of, the, of, the, of, of other sort yep. of outdoor industry. You're of a perfect example of that in every country. iteration of this, right? Like mm -hmm. you came from someplace else. You had a climbing company of your own or two yeah. and other <laughs> things that oh, were part of, that were part of uh, the fabric of the climbing. I mean, the, the, the training and stuff that you guys have all been a part of is has transformed the sport and it's being it's been exported from Salt Lake City to the rest of the country and the rest of the world in this sport for mm -hmm. sure and that I mean in the and uh, you know every family let's say there's a climber in every family um that in the fact that you know okay climbing is a, it's a destination oriented sport right. it's not and and so people go to and i used to call it like oh there's the great sites of power like as an alpine climber i had to go to chamonix sure. i had to go to the himalayas you know i had to go to um, peru and bolivia and places like that um as a you know sport climber or, or a rock climber you're go you are going to yosemite mm -hmm. you're gonna end up in seiyus you are going to end up in the Japan, Australia, Japan, Australia. Yeah, like, Turkey, and so you wherever. travel and you bring and 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 that climber brings it back, and yep. that is a beautiful um, thing. I mean, one of the one of the things in one of in uh, I can't remember it might be in the Wired talk that Rodney Mullen did was talking about like being part of a group and then going out and growing as an individual and then coming back to the group and influencing the group. And I think that wow. is a really beautiful thing about climbing yeah, for sure. is that like when you go out, you kind of go further in, in a way than maybe the, the skater would. Um, it, sure. and, and experience like, yes, your sport, but radically different culture before you come back. Well, we're our climbers, as near as I can tell, it's the only thing that's happening at the top of Everest in downtown Harlem. You know, it's the exact same, essentially the exact same thing. And we're getting, wow. you know, basketball is all urban, right? Basically yeah. urban. And you've got your football culture or your hockey culture, which is more suburban. And, and it's just a different demographic. Mm -hmm. And I was just in, in Detroit last couple of weeks ago filming at the LCA, or the new Little Caesars Arena. It was one of the projects I've been working on and architecture projects. And, and one night it was the Pistons and the other night it was the Red Wings. And it's like... The, wow. the crowds are insanely different and it's like exactly as you would expect and it's like so so my point is is that climbing actually has the ability to bring in a, a, the urban culture and mesh it with like the furthest reaches of the planet whether it's like yeah. rural turkey or you know the nepal or wherever and also downtown new york city brooklyn harlem Th this detroit might, wherever this could be a stretch so 
bear with me, but it's not a rabbit hole. <laughs> okay. The sports, so he, the, so sports says. <laughs> the sports that you just described are monikers of organized warfare, right? Like that, that's essentially what it resembles. Yeah. And it's it, all sport. Right. Basically. O- almost all sport. Climbing is a little bit different. And when we look at like societal or like anthropological stuff, we're looking at, um, everybody can kind of confer that humans are very tribal and we set up these groups because as a group, we're a little bit stronger and that's very hard to bridge past the 150. I think that's whatever rule Murphy's rule would have been. Oh, size of the tribe. Yeah. Size of 150 people, something like that, whatever it is, don't really care. But there's also this thing that people don't talk about, which is like, there is a place for wonders within tribal societies. And that could be something that a climber is a one, like somebody who brings knowledge from the Silk Road, somebody who yeah. exchanges and trade traders and wonders. Are I f- went past the edge of the earth yeah. that you all said was flat. Yeah. And it's not. Okay. Well, one of the things that you, one you, of the things, you get hung. <laughs> one of the things about being in, in rural Nebraska, and this is, and, and going back to this one thing that I, I, I heard Mark say a second ago, and that was maybe that person doesn't think that they can travel, but maybe the world comes to them. Mm. But the thing is, is as soon as that person shows up, he shows that that guy from Nebraska can, tra- can, can travel. Can travel. Yeah. I traveled all over uh, the world under the poverty line. It's mm. like, it's not that hard. And half yeah. of my friends are living, yeah. you know, you live on beans and rice. I mean, you yeah. just travel, you just do it because you have to, it's the, it's your calling mm-hmm. and you figure out how to, huh. how to get there. And that's, that's traveling. And if you're in Nebraska, you might, you might grow up thinking you got no other way there's out. There's no way. I grew, yeah. I grew up here and I didn't know what my way out was going to be. Mm-hmm. That's just the truth. And it was like, I found climbing and it was like, that's, that's my path. I, I might argue that it's probably easier to get out under the poverty line because you got nothing to lose. There's nothing yeah. else. There's no yeah. other bottom. Like you're hungry. You're hungry. It doesn't and, matter. Yeah. And you got nothing to take with you. Yeah. You know, the middle class plight might be the hardest thing to break because True. you've been sold that you need to work really hard in order to build this lifestyle with you bullshit to, you don't need. Well, you need to live beyond your means yeah. and therefore, um, uh, sacrifice whatever freedom. Oh, man, I can travel when before. I have the huh. Mercedes Sprinter, not the the, the great. Yeah, you can get in your own way pretty easily if you <laughs> yeah. listen to the pundits out there for mm-hmm. sure. Yeah, or and, the, or or in my opinion, you know, even if you listen to like the the you know all the you know, are you saving for retirement? You know, like <laughs> give us all your money and live in your house and. I, get super into debt and worry to death and keep giving us your money so that you can be safe and retire at an, at an older age. And so it's that like, when you're about living so that when you're about to die from worry, yeah, <laughs> you can like, okay, we'll, you, we'll hand it over and you can yeah. go out in a blaze of glory. Yeah. <laughs> I've tried to construct this idea of retirement I tried to logically play it out. I, I don't know what the fuck anybody is talking about the word retirement. Like what you talk, Are you the, never going to do this? Are you never going to work or make a zine or make something cool or, exactly. or ex- exercise and share that <laughs> with just, people or, or write a book? Opposite, like George Costanza. <laughs> yeah. Did, you, yeah. did you ever read his philosophy? On yeah, 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 yeah. George Costanza. Mm. No, I mean, I, 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 you know, <laughs> everyone's, like everyone can find right? their own yeah, path. Yeah, okay. Everyone can find their own path. And I've got no, you know, no beef, no, no problem with mm. people when they when that is their path and they tell me that that's their path and they've thought it through but like at least think it through at least yeah. have a, an informed decision that that's the way you're going to live your life and that you've signed up for the re, for the um you've signed up for the potential regrets or that you understand what that means mm-hmm. you know what i mean 
right? Like, yeah. Just give it. Just give us some thought. Like, don't don't be fooled by the obvious. For sure, don't go blind. Yeah. Like, well, well, we're sold on snapshots. Like, I mean, as a photographer, you you know that. Like, the commercial uh, photography business is built on selling an emotion or or quality through snapshots, and therefore, that is also used to misconstrue what life is about. I think like the retirement on the beach thing is, is a snapshot that we yeah. never actually it's amplified by. And, and these days, I think amplified by social media is mm-hmm. like and, and and what people feel compelled to post about, which is not which is, I would say, non-representative mm-hmm. of the of the whole. And we're all guilty of that because it's like, God, I want to share like the cool experiences. Not yeah, the, it's the greatest hits real, right? It, it, it's sure. yeah, exactly. It's greatest hits. And then but 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 then that gets set up as like something to aspire to is is as the, the norm as the norm, yeah. which it's like as we were talking about this this morning, it's the contrast that matters. It's the interval structure of our lives that like when we obey that, then it's okay. When we resist it, it's not. And yeah. um, th- this it's interesting. That all that's really interesting. I have a really hard time. I should be really, really great on social media, and I should post more. But it's like I was telling my friend the other day. It's like I, you know, I'm here. We know each other. We we know each other's in Salt Lake City mm-hmm. because we texted. Yes. You know what I mean? It was like, is Mark? Are you there? Like Boone? Are you here? Yeah. Like. Yes. Like, and the thing is, it's like, I don't know where you're at because of t- social media. He doesn't know. I don't post where I'm at. Mm-hmm. It's nobody's business. And yeah. if it is, you know, because you're my friend yeah, or you're my family or whatever. And it's like, I'm trying to figure out how to, this is a, this is a conversation I'm having in my own head because mm-hmm. I'm trying to figure out what, what social media could be, could be for me and how I could really like it. I if I can I mean. advise, fuck it. Don't ever use it. Just fucking, <laughs> just erase it because fuck social media. Like, it, it, yeah, yeah, yeah. My, I'm, it could I'm, help. I'm could, hopelessly yeah. analog in my friendships and my communications with my friends, and that's not going to change. And it shouldn't. Yeah. And it should. And 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 I'm, I'm I have no regrets about that. Yeah. It, my life is. I'm fairly private. Mm-hmm. You know, I'm. I'm I love being here with you guys and all that stuff. But I'm like my my personal life is my personal life. Yeah. You know, and um. But it does. It, it's just tricky. But you had a you had a comment, Mark. What were you going to oh, say? Oh no, I was just going to say there is a there's another <laughs> social media that, they should look into. As yeah, a, there's as there's, a photographer, especially as a photographer, but also um, someone concerned with like the whole privacy part of it. And, it, and it's uh, we'll talk about it afterwards. Okay. But, but it but it's it's fascinating and 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 the the way that you would are able to present pictures right. on this platform. Wait, which one is it? It's Vero. Did you show it to me like six months ago? Yes. <laughs> and and in that time, it went from, you know, they, they'd been sort of test firing and everything like that yeah. for, for like two and a half years and the 600,000 or half million users maximum at that point. And now, and within, and I, um, I still haven't talked with Eamon about how it acts, how it happened, but it, it totally blew up. And now it's been, you know, it, it, it has been, I mean, it's, it's, a, it's a platform specifically designed as a, a counterbalance to Facebook. And I don't, all of I the have stuff a Facebook account, but I never, it's funny because I never put personal information on there. <laughs> so everybody's because, freaking out about them. Like. Well, I was like, it just, I never, it never occurred. To, I didn't want Facebook to know what kind of music I like. Yeah. <laughs> I didn't figure I they would. I the you know, actually like, sold that I never, ever want anyone to know where I went to high school. Sure. Or I, I don't certainly care about, don't want Facebook like, to tell me what kind yeah. of music I should like. <laughs> <laughs> I, 
So it's like, you know, um, it's just my friends in high school. I still have a ton of friends in high school, but it's nothing I'm going to advertise. Like I don't care yeah. or college or any of that stuff. It doesn't matter. It, this is, this is kind of funny because as today, the, I, I would say there, there's obviously a political <laughs> split in, in America, but between liberal and conservative. And a lot of that has to do with a, a liberal education. And so there, there's this worry in a young liberal educated mindset that, that their biggest worry is that the problem is middle America and people who are ignorant. And what's funny is like the problem might actually be the people who are perpetuating the social media problem, which is them thinking that that is the equivalent to life experience. Like yeah. posting about this thing is the equivalent to life experience. Well, we'll see when, we'll see when the, yeah. uh, like my son is 17 years old mm. and you know, his, his, we're, you know, there's not that big of a generation gap between us. We listen to the same music. We wear the same kind of clothes. He has better hair than I do, but, uh, <laughs> you know, like, and we, we relate to the same things in the world. Mm -hmm. He's 17, I'm 52, right? So it's like the, the generation gap is not there, but where it, where it does show up is that he uses Snapchat as his means of communicating mm -hmm. with all of his friends. And it's like, that is completely a foreign thing. Wow. Like, yeah. I, you know, I don't know what, it, I don't care about memes. I don't, like I, I use text and kind of email for business and I have a lot of personal connections and I'm on the phone and I, mm. and I, or, you know, even more like text with like professional clients, you mm. know, like, yeah. hey, what are we going to do next? Or what are we going to do this and stuff like that? You know, it's, it's this, um, the funny thing is you're never going to be able to discern via Snapchat, who you would trust to hold the rope. <laughs> True. Right? Just doesn't, yeah. like... Yeah. No, man, he posts a picture of his breakfast. But they do... But and they I do don't not have him hold the rope because he ate bacon even, and his hands are slippery. I think they direct message through that platform and everything. Yeah. yeah. You know oh, yeah. I mean? Yeah. yeah. I, there, there are some good... And we've discussed this, obviously, on the... We, we did an episode about social media, and yeah. we all kind of came to the conclusion that it has this value where you can make connections that you wouldn't have normally uh, made just because of exposure. That is the one benefit, but it happens so rarely that it's it's very tough to. I did that. I went. Oh, I, I totally. I totally Damn, you just gave me one more to edit. <laughs> I'm sorry. I'm sorry. No, you can keep sorry. that one in. So yeah, yeah, yeah. Actually, yeah, I yeah, need yeah. to keep that one in. And, and we have <laughs> talked extensively about social media, and I'm I'm definitely bored of it. Um, but maybe that's one of the ways that we highlight, and we can look to gleam some sort of benefit from it. Is 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 looking at those people that, that do wander and then that are able to relay information. Because mm -hmm. that's what we're talking about, right? Is like cultures from getting the outpost out. that they find themselves. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Um, but with that aside, I, I like social media. I'm just kind of So how do you... <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I wanted I, I to get imagine. back to uh, your history, Boone, because I'm, I'm interested and, and I may have... I may not have caught it, but did you initially get into climbing just kind of as a kind of rebellious nature? You no, wanted, not at all. No, it just no, this was um, It was just total happenstance. I was okay. uh, I was working at the foundry that was casting my father's bronzes, oh. and a guy um, I happened the so, foundry on state. No, like it's not that okay, foundry. Not that it's foundry. the one down okay. in Lehigh. Okay, near American Fork Canyon. Oh, okay. Huh. Um, oh, makes sense. so it's um. So I was, my job before, my foundry job, I worked at Sundance. That was my first job, Sundance Ski Resort. Um, and that was, and they happened to be a Patagonia 
this is a long story, I'm sorry, but no, it, no, no. It hap they happened to be a Patagonia distributor and I'd never heard of the brand before. Anyway, bought some stand-up shorts and this is in 1993 or 1983, probably the gateway garment. And it is, and and I didn't, and I had, and I'd seen a couple of Patagonia catalogs, and it's like that seems really cool, because I was really into the mountains. But it had come from the from the my father was a Western artist, and so he he grew up in Texas. He was a cowboy, hmm. so I grew up on horses and shooting guns and you know camping old school style with like you know kettles and things like that in the in the mountains oh. like a, like a little cowboy and dutch oven cooking dutch oven cooking exactly oh, that kind of stuff so, good. so when so sundance was the beginning of the new me kind of in my late teens but i got these these shorts and um my next job i was just working at the foundry and um this guy was like Are you a climber i'm like no he's like you want to try it i was like <laughs> Sure. He's like, why did you ask? He's like, oh, those shorts, those are climber's pants. And I was like, no, cool. And I, this is this is true. This is absolutely the truth. I got my solo hiking boots on They were uh, uh, that I had. I had the same shorts on and probably a rugby shirt because it was the style of the day. Yeah. And I went and I met this guy. And that was he told me that that was fine to wear. And I literally expected him to throw a grappling hook on the up onto the rock, and we were just gonna like Batman up these things. Like, <laughs> that was how naive I was. That's awesome. And, uh, how disappointed that, or that excited day, I was yeah. like, that was uh, July 29th, uh, 1985, and it changed my life. <laughs> Whoa, that's awesome. No grappling never hooks stopped. involved. Yeah. Yeah. No grappling hooks involved, and I never stopped. <sighs> Completely submerged after that. Yeah. That's all you could think yeah. of. Yeah. It's just totally. And I mean, to a fault, but not. You know what I mean? Yeah. yeah. I mean, it could have been to a fault, but yeah. it turned out. Uh, well, I mean, anything in excess is to a fault, right? So I, I pushed it pretty far. Yeah. I, I might mean, have been an addict. Depends on the perspective. <laughs> yeah. I, I, like, I, I might have been I, a homeless addict. We, we, need ex <laughs> we need extreme extremism. In order to explore, yeah. I think. Like, if you if moderation is the only way to live, then we would have never discovered anything other than. I think you know, my my Europe. dad, you know, my dad was super nomadic just by nature. Mm -hmm. You know, he left home at twelve and went to work on his uncle's ranch, his uncle Boone, who I'm named after, mm -hmm. and you know, he would spend weeks on his horse, you know, just kind of like watching the cattle. You know, and that's mm -hmm. what he did. And, and out in and, West Texas, and you know, now like you have a van, and now I have a van. I think I'm, I think I'm nomadic. Yeah. I think by nature yeah. I'm just one of those people that are just nomadic, and I, and I think I just need to be, like, rolling. So my dad, uh, his his father, I guess it would be his stepfather, uh, owned a ranch in just above Albuquerque, in the mountains in Albuquerque. So I had a ranch, grew up on a ranch, like real ranch, hardworking, driving cattle, that kind of deal. Uh, is his dad died when he was really really young on a, in a horse accident um now today he is very nomadic he drives a van he does nothing but rock climb like that that's kind of right. his existence so there there is something to maybe that genetic quality there's there's got to right. be i mean you know we weren't we weren't civilized until yeah. less than 100 years ago totally, really yeah, 150 totally. years ago we were all kind of wandering i mean there were civilizations or and i can feel but, my own yeah. i can feel my own like the pull. Oh, i need to go i need to like i need to get on the road i need to go on a trip i need to like do something yeah and it's not to go sit on a beach it's usually to go do something yeah like, i need yeah. a purpose when i go travel yeah i need to go 
take photos and 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 do something physical that's hard yeah, yeah. Hmm. what do you got paul <laughs> i was just thinking and how, how much i i appreciate wanders and how maybe um it's funny you brought up hockey and the in the different cultures uh and i the only traveling that i've ever done was because of hockey um essentially i i, I never got out and, it, and it's funny um that you that you brought that up but uh i appreciate sitting down and, and speaking with people that have gotten out that that have learned from other cultures because so how far did you go like how far away did you go for, oh for canada. Hockey? canada was the that's the like that's a, that's off the edge of the earth right yeah. international travel so right that, that area on the <laughs> map that's kind of <laughs> yeah. did you well i made it to this land where everybody apologizes yeah <laughs> where everyone apologizes yeah. <laughs> and then how they did you get into hockey it. yeah that's an interesting how? question yeah. <laughs> um yeah it was it was kind of funny i uh some of my family members worked at a local ice rink that was that was here. It was actually I don't even know if you could classify it as an ice rink, but it was uh, out in, in in Magna. It was at a Cypress High School. Um, they they had, don't have a huge recruiting for hockey in Utah, right? Oh no, no, no it, it was it definitely not the the standard thing to do here. Um, grew up on the ice, like skating. Uh, got into some other things, and then. Um, finally found hockey when I was like 13 and then same same kind of thing though uh the similarities there is like once I did find it uh before that I was into into traditional martial arts and stuff like that but then when I found hockey I was completely submerged in it um and yeah that's all I did that's that's all I did growing up was played hockey um until I was like 22 23 ish and then got back into you know combat arts but uh um, I've always appreciated people uh, in sitting down and, and learning from people that have gotten out uh, because I haven't I haven't done so myself. So thank you. Yeah. Thank you for that. <laughs> Tell us what the world's like, Boone. <laughs> I've actually oh, had, I've always appreciated people that can settle and set up shop and, and, and just get a bunch of things done. Like, cause that's not in my personality type. Like I constantly have to move. And when I, I'm always kind of envious of my cousin was kind of similar. Like he's had the same job and lived in the same house and had a really good lifestyle. And, and he ends up traveling and whatnot now, yeah. but I've always admired how he was able to, I feel like it's an ADD condition. Like, no, I need to like chase the next thing. And I'm real sporadic yeah. and I, I see him. Uh, yeah. Unstable. I'm like my yeah. dog, like anything that just fuck, Oh, the tension. And then he's so, out. But. Boone, when you go on like a surfing thing, you like drive down to Baja or, or no, I fly down. But usually fly someplace. Yeah, okay. I mean, and I'm still, you know, I'm still, uh, I'm not a good surfer. And uh, <laughs> it's it's a trick. It's a trick. So I have a piece of, I have a piece of property in, uh, down near Zihuatanejo. And um, I have I, a palapa on I, that I, piece I, of property. I don't know where that is or what that is. It's west, Ixtapa Zihuatanejo is in the state of Guerrero. Okay, um, which is in the news for all the wrong reasons right now. Yeah, but it's in it's it's near Acapulco. It's a few hundred. It's a, about a hundred and it's about a hundred two hundred kilometers north of Acapulco. Hmm. Um, it's tropical. It's beautiful. There's a lot of great. Um, there's surfing there. It's like I'm I'm really really content there. 
and really everything I need is just right there. Mm -hmm. It's the kind of place where you could uh, just wash up on the beach and just be, you know, you don't need much. Um, and a, and a palapa? That out. We don't want people to... Sorry, what? And a palapa is some sort of shelter? Um, well, you know, or, it's like a grass like, hut. It's a grass hut. It's, a, you know, it's a, it's a super nice grass hut. Like okay. if, I, if I told you, it was, if, you, if we went down there and, and you were like, I uh, heard you had a grass hut, you know, you walk up into this thing and go, well, dude, nice like, grass. That's <laughs> nice pretty nice grass hut. Okay, you know? <laughs> but uh, it is right. It is. It is right on the beach, and oh. there's and there's surfing of all types right there, mm. and um, wow. really beautiful waves. And so that's where I go more most often. However, I am getting to the point now where I can expand that and go um, other other places. And I've taken some surf trips. Um, I'm not a well traveled surfer. I've got. Uh, you know, I'm probably come. I've probably got another extra, another ten or fifteen years of really trying to do that, okay. and I'm and I'm aware aware of the the, the clock is ticking. And is that a, because like the physical decline, like you would not be able to? Um, accept, I don't think the it... physical decline as much as just. I mean, I surf down there with you know old, you know eighty year old masters, I and I that. climb. You know, it's like I see Maggie and Tom at the at the Momentum Climbing Gym here in AF all the time still. You know, and it's like this is a you know, climbing and surfing or, you know, you can do them your whole life. But that said, I got to get on this and, and ramp it up a little bit. If I'm going to, if I'm going to do what I want to do surfing wise. So I've been to Tahiti. I've been to, um, that's a thick wave. It's a thick wave. I mean, there's some, yeah. it's my, it's a thick wave. I'm not, <laughs> I'm like, not like surfing. Like the, it's like the ocean is behind that. Yeah, I've not. I, I've been to that wave, and I, and, okay. I, and I know it. And it's like it's not like I'm. Uh, it's not like I'm surfing in on that wave. Oh, okay. okay. That's it. That chopo is a, is a heavy wave. <laughs> um, if you guys don't know, it basically breaks, and then it like it's an elevation change in <laughs> yeah, the ocean, yeah, basically. It sucks. Wave. It sucks really hard off the yeah. off the reef right there, yeah. and so it's so I, I have been out to it, and okay. I have I do I I have uh, played around on it, and I've, and uh, um and I have been uh, I have I have a couple of little nicks on me to, to prove it, and uh, and otherwise uh, the, that's a he, that's like denotes the heavy waves, mm -hmm. and then the, the then the light waves are a lot more pleasant, sure. you know, yeah, and yeah, it's yeah, like yeah. it's just. Um, it's a long ass journey, man. It's a really, really tricky thing. There's no cheating the learning curve on that sport. So <laughs> you can't, you can't hang dog. You, it's there's no hack. There's, yeah, there's like, there's no. I mean, it's probably skating and, and <laughs> skating. There's no real, real hack either, right? Yeah, yeah. That I can think of. Not at all. Foam pits maybe help some of the aerials. Oh, now, yeah, yeah. yeah but like, there's really no way to cheat the learning curve on surfing, and I'm, I'm. I love it, man. It's like fucking awesome. Yeah. One of the <laughs> and things, that sounds so stupid, no, but it's no, like no. real. You know what I mean? Like, yeah, it's fucking awesome. <laughs> oh, it's it is it is awesome. And, and one of the things that uh, I I see, and, and you spoke of like climbers being enlightened, um, and I could be completely wrong, but whether you're on a, a, a wall or or you're climbing or you're in the water there's a perspective there because i have surfed a couple times i've got an interesting story about another one about cj trying to kill me um <laughs> but uh one of the things that that it definitely puts in perspective is how fragile that we are uh and how powerful like whatever we want to call it, like mother nature is like whether yeah. it's uh, you know ocean is just like so, so powerful yeah like, 
it's unforgiving and at the same time there's some kind of like you can just hang symbiosis yeah. that is like bizarrely um uh just wonderful and, and and filled with wonderment about the about the experience on on a regular basis yeah. <laughs> I'll tell you the story real quick. I, yeah. yeah. So uh, my brother-in-law, CJ, who these guys know, he's, he's a great dude. Um, he lived in Hawaii for a few years, and, and we went out to, to visit him. And I've uh, been out there a couple times, and both times they, they take me surfing, you know. And he he is, he's really good at in like any board sports. He's, he's really yeah. good at. And he had been out there for, for quite some time learning how to surf. So he was pretty competent. And... Uh, <laughs> This was this was North Shore winter time, dude. Right? <laughs> you know what's coming, dude. Yeah, carry on. Yeah, so Can't wait to hear this. Yeah, exactly. First first time ever surfing. We go out to. Does it involve a fist to the face too? No, because <laughs> nearly I, drowning. I, I, I appreciate like him trying to kill me all the time because I, maybe I like to be in that no, position. No, on you. Did you almost hurt somebody else besides oh, no, yourself? No, 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 no. Um, yeah, there was there was no, we we were able to navigate and and like stay away from locals exactly. And he he knew enough locals too. We didn't have any issues there. Um, but we went to this pretty decent break the first day. Kind of got the hang of it a little bit, and I've got a little bit of experience with some board sports, so I could I could stand up on the board. But the hardest part was definitely fucking catching the yeah, wave yeah. and like yeah. knowing when to paddle and, and like what to look for. I was just like. I'd, paddle and nothing would be there but then he takes me to uh this little portion uh that was right by turtle bay mm -hmm. and this this break was breaking into literally the side of a fucking cliff and it's breaking in here and it, just getting out was just complete whitewash and um he's like oh we're gonna go surf this and, and i'm naive being from utah <laughs> So I'm like, all right. So I start trying to paddle and we finally get past this break and I'm worked. I'm worked. I'm sitting out there and, and we're just sitting on the rollers, just hanging out, which was great. And I'm just like, ah, this is cool. Whatever. And I look at CJ and he's just sitting there and I'm like, are you going to, are you going to catch any of these? What, what are you doing? And he's like, oh, these are way too big for me. I'm like, well, what the fuck? Why am I out here? And like, how are we going to get back in? Um, oh, you'll eventually get back in. <laughs> and that's what I came to the conclusion. It's like, well, I got to get in some way. So I saw one coming and I started paddling and I went to go stand up through the board and it literally just seemed like the thing was fucking gone. And I was in the whitewash just getting tumbled. I f yeah, somehow yeah. found my board and grabbed it and just like rode the whitewash and just got tumbled on the, on the coral. And it wasn't, I wasn't too beat up but i was able to just like <laughs> hold on for dear life until i got out and was like fuck that i don't this is a little above my pay grade right now but again it's that perspective thing and yeah that might uh, be where fitness actually hurts you because you're fit enough to get out to get in trouble. true yeah that's yeah. You're, you're totally yeah. right about that yeah. you can you can get you can be fit enough that usually it mitigates it yeah right i haven't yeah. surfed so much therefore i don't have the the paddling endurance therefore i can't get out and harmful stuff but you trick it by being fucking capable and you get out there and you're like 
Ah, fuck. Yeah. <laughs> I use yeah. the skill that I have to get into trouble, <laughs> and now I lack the skill to get out of trouble. Fit yeah. enough to be dangerous is what that is. That's fucking... Yeah. I'm going to have to high-five CJ for that one. It's for sure. That's pretty fucking funny. Yeah, and I mean, maybe that. Maybe that's it. Maybe that uh, when you talk about climbers or whatever being enlightened, um, you know, from my perspective, maybe that's one of the, the really big attributes of that is like just being constantly reminded of perspective and could, I mean, the lessons be, come yeah, from yeah nature. and there's for sure for sure you know. and, th and that's that's part of the you know that lesson that that experience that you have informs you for the rest of your life on some level oh, yeah. yeah makes you appreciate you've had some friends that have similar experiences rock climbing where they went with somebody who was kind of a dickhead the first time and it, it changed the perspective. I mean, it ruined rock climbing for them for sure, but it changed the perspective on Everything. the whole world. Yeah, and it, and it can inform you. I think maybe that's what, whether it's a, a a wall of rock or a wall of water, the fucking lessons there are infinite. Or a wall of ice. Or a wall of yeah. ice. Yeah. yeah. So the difference between those three things is that the water is fucking moving. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, technically, the ice can move as well. Uh, potentially, as could the rock, but that's not its constant state. Right. Right. The, the, and to, to me, the, the one time I got put in the water with some kind of board by some friends in the Navy who thought it'd be fun to take <laughs> fucking mountain man into the water. Um, I, Come on, big mountain man. I, yeah. yeah. <laughs> Fuck off. Exactly. Don't you want to drink some salt water and have it more of it forced into your lungs? I'll, where do I sign? Yeah, I'd love that. That's just, that's just great. And somehow like being, not actually standing on the board, but being on the board and then watching all the water suck out from underneath and then there'd be the hard oh, yeah. ground. That's nature's And then just like <laughs> get dropped onto it, sucked out with the water. And yeah, these guys- Pretty heavy. Pretty fun, huh? Yeah. Yeah, super fun, yeah, you guys. Yeah, great. That's awesome. <laughs> I, I, like, but moving water, and I had a friend when I was in Seattle, my first climbing mentor, Dave Kahn, um, like I, would, I was totally content to go climbing in the rain. I didn't didn't fucking matter. Then we'll go, you know, rock climbing in the rain and just like you gotta put in more gear and you can't do as hard roots and stuff that <laughs> nor normally you could do. And he goes, No, 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 we go kayaking when it's like this. <laughs> oh fuck. Same thing, moving water. Another yeah. bad experience. He goes, Hey, if everything goes bad, pull the golf ball and you'll come out of the boat. Just don't lose track of your paddle or the boat <laughs> when expensive. you do that. Yeah. yeah. And so that was my experience. Like the, that's awesome shit every time not if the, but when it every goes time sideways. that I've been in water that has been moving either you know my short lived surf experience my short lived kayaking experience or the three or four avalanches I've been in <laughs> none of them great <laughs> no, like, so I'm just thinking like shit that's moving is not my deal yeah. like I'd like to <laughs> slow this down a little bit <laughs> Jesus you got fucking rickrolled in oh, every water scenario pretty much yeah <sighs> yeah i can i can name the the three people that you know the guy who put, took me in the surf chris robinson mm. the guy who took me in the kayak dave Kahn, and the guy who cut you know involved me in my first avalanche uh bjorn anderson <laughs> I, I guess similar I, i've ruined many things for aaron for very similar in the ocean we were the first she'd never been stand up well she had been stand up paddle boarding but she had never been stand up paddling um in the pacific where it's not 
glassy and nice. Oh, like right. there's a difference between Jordanelle and <laughs> yeah. Sertian. So we were launching in Laguna and I was like, oh, it'll be fine. Like we we'll just get out past the swell and it's really nice. Like, yeah, there's a little bit. And the guy pushing us out is like, oh, guys, just so you know, there's a great white out there. Like that's just hanging out around the cove. And I was like, oh, awesome. We should go check that out. And Aaron's face was like, uh-uh. And I was like, no, it'll be fine. We're not really going out there. Like, I wouldn't do that to you. She, like, terrified. And it became this, like, it, it etched in her mind. Like, I don't think she'd ever thought about sharks in stand-up right, paddleboard. Right, right, so right. now she, would, she wouldn't touch it. And I was just like, are you serious? Like, and I tried to, like, force it a little. People were freaked out about sharks. Yeah, yeah. I am. Yeah, I mean, yeah. they're fucking sharks terrifying. Scary. Yeah. Um, I mean, if I'm on a board, I'm... I feel okay, even though that's still not a super safe scenario. As long as I can see it. What freaks me out is like head above water, murky water. Now I'm fucking freaked out. Yeah. <laughs> that freaks I, me out. It's it, like Boone, you just said that casually, you know, yeah, people are freaked out about sharks. Is it something not necessarily to be too freaked out about? Because um, I don't think you want to spend too much time perseverating on that. On okay. That. I mean, we're not their food really. Yeah. I mean, I, you know, it's like, um, um, I it's think thinking I, about ISIS attacks. It's it's um, <laughs> it's kind <laughs> of like of yeah yeah. I it, mean, there's so many objective dangers that we live with every single day that we just you know like that we disregard that we disregard. That, yeah, you yeah. Know, driving, 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 driving. Yeah. Period. Oh, you know, it's totally. like a thousand times more more. You know, this, here's, if, here's if a shark, if you have an interaction with a shark, it's mm -hmm. going to be the shark. There's going to be some kind of disruptive. Yeah. Um, event you know and it could be just as much as for instance in 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 oregon uh, a couple of summers ago there was there was a shark bite mm -hmm. there was also a dead um humpback whale on the beach right around the corner yeah, yeah, yeah. and and it was like the dead whale washes out to sea again no more shark bites no more shark bites leading up to it no more shark bites after in Mexico, there's if there's a shark bite, they find uh, a bait ball that's been that's been lost off a off a off a ship or something like that. So it's like, you know, even like there's the you know like maybe a bull shark or a little gray reef shark or something like that or a great white shark or a tiger shark. Maybe they maybe they're notorious for hitting people, mm -hmm. but they don't want to hit people, and they also they don't want anything to do with you. It's like not natural. And um, if it if it does happen. There's probably been some some kind of There's disruption some. that it becomes that creates and sort of a, you know a, that perfect storm. Yeah. So if you, it's really interesting, like Mark Healy, uh, a, a fabulous waterman surfer from Hawaii, he, he'll he'll go out and he'll swim with the tiger sharks mm -hmm. underneath the glass bottom boats and yeah. in Hawaii just to just because it's like he, as kind of a, a fuck you to the to the glass bottom to, because they yeah. jump the sharks in and he's yeah, like yeah, 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 this yeah. is so uncool yeah you know and you know and so he'll kind of go out and interact with them and yeah. as a protest yeah getting to chum them in is artificially antagonizing them to do things that they wouldn't normally do to be and to, we do it for it's a disruption yeah, yeah, yeah and it's for, and it's, sure. it's for an, yeah. here's here's where math will fuck you it is very improbable <laughs> that you'll be bitten by a shark while you're in the ocean. That being said, improbabilities happen. Yeah, yeah, true. <laughs> yeah, true. Like, a one in a million still happens every one in a million. Yeah. Like, <laughs> like most people don't do I've the I've done math. dumber shit yeah. for sure. I mean, I've done, I've put myself in much more jeopardy sure. as a climber or a photographer mm -hmm. climbing or, you know, as mm -hmm. a driver or as a pedestrian. Um, so, 
it's just I just yeah I don't worry too much about it. Yeah. Okay, yeah. I, it's a, that whole five minutes right there or whatever that was is absolutely fascinating to me. I am you know, no, I, I, I am, and yeah. I am by no means a waterman and or um, a any kind of an expert on this. Um, I that's this comes with a disclaimer. I'm a I'm a learned. Uh, I'm I'm fascinated by ocean culture and watermen. Um, in general, and when I went to um, d- down to Tahiti, mm-hmm. I, I was with a friend who grew up on an atoll in the P- French Polynesia out there, and um, I'm, I was absolutely fascinated by the whole culture. He mm-hmm. he, he runs a black he runs an org- like a sustainable uh, black pearl farm in mm-hmm. on this ahe on this on the on this atoll called ahe, and it's um you know just like um, spear fishing um, with. You know those guys. I was just observing yeah. this and taking photographs of it underwater. But like um, spear fishing uh, under the water, you know, for dinner yeah. with black tips and gray reef sharks around us, and those guys would shoot the fish, and then they'd have to poke it out of the water because the, the water, little yeah. black tips would be running around them. <laughs> right. And it's like you know, it's just like those are like little like bulldog like like rabid dogs. You know mm-hmm. what I mean? Yeah, but, yeah. Okay. Yeah, blue shark. Well, we, we ran into some problems with some blue sharks when we were salmon fishing in Seattle. Yeah, or out out the coast of Seattle, and it it becomes a problem. Yeah, but yeah, but and if you've got their food, yeah, you're yeah. in their world, yeah. <laughs> and um, you just put it on the end of a stick for them. Oh, yeah. we just dangled the herring, and they would, and they, they they act different than what you think they are. Yeah. Like they they're not the the movie. Uh, like they move very smoothly and cautiously. Yeah, mm-hmm. they, they approach everything with caution until you grab them and roll them in the boat, and then become very aggressive. Well, but that's yeah. a different story. Say, <laughs> 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 they growl. They fucking growl at you. That was the most shocking thing possible. But um, uh, I, I think the, the shark thing you, you mentioned. I mean, how you you do have to rationalize some of this stuff when yeah. we talk about like it would be it would be the same as how do you deal with like falling on a rock? Like how do you deal with that? The fear is always there. Yeah. Yeah, but it's improbable. And if I do things right and I make sure that there's no you know, I'm not walking into a thunderstorm on a cliff that I don't, I shouldn't be there during that time sure. or whatever. I watch the weather. I watch all the, all the things that you control, what you can control and and you shouldn't have any problems. That yeah. was my experience in the ocean. I stepped on one shark. Um, that was fucked up, but yeah. it didn't bite me. So I got away with it. <laughs> <laughs> and I would say the most terrifying thing was having dolphins pop up because you don't know which is which. Yeah, like they yeah. The, all the fucking dorsal fins look the fucking same. When well, they pop the, up. The, but the tail fins are vertical <laughs> yeah. on a shark. Yeah, yeah, so yeah, if yeah, there's yeah. two fins, yeah, yeah, that's when you be. That's that's yeah, yeah. a little bit like hmm, how far are those fins are apart, yeah. and then you're like, okay, that's it's shorter and it's humpier and or it's more curved. Not a biggie, yeah. Yeah. you know. Yeah, and a dolphin is curved on the back, and a shark yeah. is generally flat on the back. But once you know, I mean, your heart does the same when you see it pop up. You go <laughs> like almost puke. But I like I like the look on Mark's face through this whole conversation. <laughs> I don't have a ton of experience around the ocean at all. I ended up on a movie job in uh, June of 1990, and we were in Eilat in Israel. And so it's on the Red Sea and we were yeah. staying at Club Med for some reasons because it was a French movie job and there was some kind of relationship. And so we got to go down there. And so so just off the the the, the beach, you do go out a little ways and then there's a very famous shelf that drops okay. off. And I want to say 400 feet or something or whatever. And and when and I, I'm comfortable, I grew up swimming, so I'm fine in the water. I could swim around, swim around and I got closer to the 
edge of that thing, that, that drop off. <laughs> And I There's looked, something about that that's fucking crazy, oh, right? Oh yeah. my! Like Those I, could, I couldn't, I couldn't fucking go back. Like it's after this, like, it's this it's, thing it's, it's, that's in a, the belly. It, it <laughs> is exactly that thing. <laughs> yeah, right? and was you not, might as well be jumping out of a spaceship. It's <laughs> fucking creepy. Oh, and I agree. just like yeah. weird yeah. shapes, yeah. you know. And there were probably yeah. fish that were like a foot long or something, but they looked, you know, whatever. Gigantic. Yeah. It's, it's, it's the abyss. It's black. It is the abyss. And I thought, my God, I don't, I, I shouldn't be here. <laughs> and then I go back to the beach and there's people like windsurfing and yeah, you know doing all like yeah. swimming around and diving and doing all sorts of crazy shit. I'm like, fuck such a pussy. Go back out and like same feeling. I I probably got like two feet closer to the drop off that time than I did the first time. I'm like, uh, it's not happening. But for that me. process is it's such a it, it, that's the child's mind, right? You just mm. keep pushing those those boundaries. Two feet at a time. Oh, yeah. Two sure. feet at a time. Yeah. And I think I think you know, that's that's kind of where I'm at in this whole thing. And I'm talking to you guys like I've learned uh, half of this stuff that I'm saying. I, I've learned this, you know, like yeah. it's like I didn't start out. And you learned it as I, an adult. I, I learned it as an adult and I'm fascinated by it. And I I, I like to break down these um, unsubstantiated fears, really, or these <laughs> unnecessary sort of phobias that, that are just um, that just don't they get in the way of me doing what I want to do, which is just go surf cool waves. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, that's awesome. If you're thinking about sharks, you're not thinking about surfing, and True. surfing's hard enough already. True, uh, that that is the distinction. When you're in the, uh, I mean, when you talk to most, and it's been a while since I've been in the like so, surfing culture from when I lived in Ventura, yeah, but yeah. It, it, it is something that people respect the rules by looking at what the bad conditions are. They look for, you know, especially in Hawaii, it rains and the water is murky. You don't don't fuck around. Yeah. Like, that that's hunting time like that that's, it's hunting time and, and also like bad echolocation like or sick whatever. time too yeah yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. you're so, gonna breathe in the wrong stuff exactly like there's all these problems with it and so you just don't break the general axioms of the culture yep yep you listen and you'll be okay yep <laughs> if you listen to the culture the the, the old the the these watermen yeah. will you'll learn a lot yeah. they're like you know they're just old masters. There's you know? a lot of wisdom, yeah. There's a lot of yeah. wisdom. Probably like the guys you were climbing with in Sham. Yeah. yeah. You know, like, you know Rene Galini, right? Oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Why? Oh, you would have known him from Fila. From Fila. Yeah, 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 yeah. 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 He, you know, it was no, so... No, like, I've been doing it forever. Yeah, and he'd, and he'd, and he'd had a, so much bad shit happen to him, you know, yep. and I was a young kid at the time, or not not even that young, but, you know, like, early 30s, and... um and you know, he, you know, I remember losing everything one day, and this this experience changed my life. Renee, Renee, really had an impact on my life because, because I I was we were all in Las Vegas for a trade show, and my car, which had everything in it, and I had a Pathfinder at the time, and it basically had everything stuffed in it that my van has in it out there, and it was like it got broken into in the in the parking garage, and everything got stolen, and mm. shit that was really important to me, or I thought. Um, it was just stuff. And, and I wa- walked in and I was like really kind of bummed. And I was grabbing a cup of coffee and I saw Renee and I was just like, and I was kind of wearing it on my sleeve. And I was just like, you know, like, and he's like, boo, you are so lucky. He's like, you don't have any shit to worry about anymore. Like, 
and I and I was just like, "Hey, and, you're a dick," because you know, and he, and he is, and, and he was, and he's great. Right. You yes. know, I love that guy. Yes, but he's he a, says he it a like, dick and he's great, and he's great, yeah. and he says it like it is, and it was perfect, and it was exactly what I needed to hear, and he totally crossed the fence to kick me in the nuts. You know what I yeah. mean? And it was like, <laughs> oh. Well, fuck, you're totally right. I'll buy you a coffee, you know? Yeah. And it was like... With money total that I pers- don't have. <laughs> yeah, perspective <laughs> change. And it yeah. was like, you know, he's, he's totally right. And the thing is, it's like, who am I to say? Like, he was next to Alex McIntyre when I was, he fucking I was died, say, like, right next to him. Alex get pasted by a rock and then having to get down the Yeah, south, or Bruno south. Groovy or yeah. whatever. Like, he's Jeez. like this is a guy who's been in the, in the you know, yeah, in the thick of it. And it's like... He's the guy that you listen to. He's the he's the yeah. old master, you know. He's the guy that can give you pearls of wisdom to live by because he's still smiling. Yeah, you know what and I he's mean. He's still around. Yeah, and he's and still it's like, great. Oh, don't go up there now, man. Well, yeah. why not? He said, just don't go up there. It's not good right now. <laughs> like, why? Uh, okay, yeah, I, I don't know. Because it's because it, I have a sense. Because because it, it's not because like several generations of my family has been you know around in these yeah. mountains for this long. It's not good up there right now, man. Yeah. Just listen to me. That is an epiphany. <laughs> like, awesome. I couldn't believe the idea that there's really no reason to be bummed. Uh, if being you have bummed, what are you should be do? for when you're dead. Yeah. That's what you should be bummed about. And everything else is like a thank God moment. Yeah. Like, oh, right on. Like, that, that, all the stuff I was, atta- I've been trying to search this, <laughs> seek out this whole non attachment thing, and somebody just took away all the shit that I was attached to. <laughs> So I kind of got into my Zen moment. That was fucking great. Yeah. Hey, I could have paid that fucking lady from New York to declutter my van. Yeah. Or I could just hire somebody to steal all my shit. Same yeah. fucking thing. Yeah, yeah. And just I saved the money unlocked. on paying some hokey pokey lady to teach me about false Zen. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> or feng shui or yeah. whatever it is. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That... Wow. On, on yeah, this is fucking great. <laughs> there's there's and, gems in here that are, that'll last a really long and the, time. The, the day I get to sort of conclude a podcast talking about Rene Galini is <laughs> high fives, like fucking high fives all around, man. So thank you for that. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. He's a, he's one of my all time favorite people. Yeah, fuck Lene because <laughs> the nose. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He's Lene is fucking Rene. Rene, <laughs> such a good dude. Anyway. Um, I think you said uh, we got yeah we Jeremy's got, coming in we, we got to go to work it, but thanks for driving your van over here and sure checking out the sure space I'll, I'll be back come back often That's awesome. yeah yeah absolutely I'm sure our paths will cross for sure I, I'm for sure this got, is not over you got recruited <laughs> for two different <laughs> yeah yeah we have two check marks by you which means you're really in trouble so. yeah. le proyecto <laughs> yeah exactly <laughs> exactly all right man thank you all right all right thanks, all right man. thank you cool.